I'm Sarah. And I'm Stacy Joe. And again, we are those weirdos from Michigan. We are weirdos, yeah, that's right. We'll help you see the darkness in the light. Yo, what's up? Hello, my weird, weird friends. How we doing today? Yeah. Again, they're going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week, sis? Tell them your good news. So my week is fantastic because, and this is weird coming from me, <laughs> I found out my daughter does not have cancer. And so I am ecstatic. I'm so happy. She Yay. just has a bone infection, which still sucks, but it's not cancer. And that makes me so happy. I'm happy, too. I'm happy for you. It's such a relief. Yeah, that was scary. And we had an adventure yesterday. Oh, I know. Tell them all about it. So, uh, Sis and I, we don't know when we're going to have the video up. But we went on an adventure yesterday. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings, which was delicious. And then we decided we wanted to try out Randonautica app. Remember, you're not supposed to say that. I don't think we're supposed to use their logo. Okay. I've heard other podcasts talk about Randonautica. I think we're we're safe. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, so we had two fails, and then we had two successes on that app. First, it took us to a weed shop. Yes. And then we're like, nah, we won't go there. The second time it took us to Rite Aid and the third time we were like, okay, we'll just go like closer to my area. And it took us down this haunted road. At least sis and I think it was haunted. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah, it was definitely creepy. We had our um, EVP app up and we got a lot of hits on that. And when I turned around, it said turn around. And I was like, nope, nope. I think I'm just going to keep going. yeah and and the app that we're using is necrophonic which i kind of messed up that name and murdered it like a couple times uh during the video but i did not mean how i said it obviously the english language is so hard for me necrophonic is an app that you have to pay for and it actually does work because we had intelligent responses on this video and I I mean we are not about doing things fake we want to have authentic ghost adventures so <laughs> with what we got I mean yes. we don't have a huge budget right now so no. we got to use what we can use but we think this is a pretty legit app because when we took it back to my house we didn't get any responses really no, it was it was pretty quiet. I mean, it had like rando words and stuff, but I think that's just the the box itself. But there was a lot of intelligent responses to our questions when we had went to Sock Trail and when we had went to Devil's Lake Beach area, uh, the public a- access, and it was incredible. And I even felt at one point in time. I felt uh, despair and I wanted to cry and I had my, I was, my tears were welding up and sis goes, just let it out. Just cry. And I'm like, no, I'm good. It's over now. It was just a brief moment of, of um, despair. Just 
sadness. But we think that that might have been a demon. Yeah. I don't know. But I can tell you, sis, when I got home, I felt like my energy had been completely drained out of me for that day. Well, yeah, we did a lot of stuff that day, though. No, it felt like more of an emotional energy. And I know like when I'm usually around you, I feel completely refreshed and happy and good. I like I it's medicine for me. When I came home yesterday, I felt like my energy was sucked out of me. That's kind of creepy. Yes. So (laughs) I really think it was just all of the haunting that, you know, ghost hunting that we did yesterday. And with me being, you know, kind of like a medium and feeling it, I think it just drained it out of me. But we did actually hit some spots that I know for sure was I was feeling. Well, I slept like a baby when I got home. (laughs) Oh, I did, too. I had some fantastic sleep because all I wanted to do was sleep. I was so tired. But that was uh, that was very fun, sis. I enjoyed myself yesterday for sure. Yeah, that was fun. So we'll have that video up sometime this week. We don't know. I'm going back to work full time. I uh, updated us on uh, all of our socials of how like we're just kind of have to readjust. Yeah, it's a readjustment period. But uh, we will get our content out and it just might be delayed a little bit. This week, I went bowling. How'd that go? Good. I uh, didn't lose a nail like we thought I was gonna. And you haven't gotten COVID for touching all the nasty balls. No, no. Knock on wood. Could still happen. I got over 100 on the first game. And then the gummy bear shots came. Oh, boy. And then I got really shitty as the night (laughs) went on. (laughs) And I'm really happy to say that we got our first Patreoner. Yeah, dude. Justin, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Like we that just made us want to keep going for sure, because it it made us feel like everything that we were doing, we're touching somebody and it was so reassuring. So thank you so much, Justin. We appreciate you. Yes, we now have almost twelve hundred downloads. That's amazing. I see we're blowing up all over the United States. It's becoming all red. Yes. (laughs) It's funny because, you know, I like everybody knows I play World of Warcraft and there's a couple guys on there that just, you know, we just started playing with. And I was like, yeah, we do a podcast. It's called Those Weirdos from Michigan. He goes, why does that sound familiar? And I'm like, well, we probably are getting out there a little bit. I mean, we we've been doing it since November and, uh, you know, we really do put a lot of content out. And he goes, you know, it sounds like I, I've heard of you guys. And the other guy said that, too. He's like, I'm pretty sure I've heard of you guys. Wow. So just just them saying that, like it, you know, it made everything so worth it because I know that we're we're actually doing something that people are enjoying and um, it makes all this worth it. Absolutely. I agree 100 percent. Yeah. And they're and they're checking us out, too, you know, so. It's just, it's been great. You know, it's, it's been quite an an adventure, but it's, it's all coming together and it feels so, so right. Yes. And I'm having a blasty blast. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. I am too. I'm sorry, guys. I was, I was off of my, 
game for a while. I'm back now, but to be fair, I was just worried about my little girl. And that's that can be devastating for anyone. So absolutely. But I'm back and I'm back in action. Stella's got her group back. You still pushed through it though. Yeah. Stella's got her group back now, guys. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yes. All right, sis. So what are we doing today? You don't want to get caught in your underwear. So today, I'm super excited. I'm not going to try to read completely on this. This is going to be the manifesto of Theodore Kaczynski, which is the Unabomber. It is a total of 34 pages long. It's going to be broken up into sections so sis and I can talk about it. I have not... I've read a little bit, but I have not read completely through this thing because I want the surprise factor with you guys as well and with my sister so we can just, you know, kind of off the whim just be thinking about these things right away because when you have a chance to think about it, your initial thoughts are not coming through. And I think the authenticity of your initial thoughts is amazing. Absolutely. Even if you have time... You know, so so if we don't have time to think about it and come up with a more correct response (laughs) or more PC response, that's going to be boring as hell. So, yeah, if you just read that whole 34 page that I don't think anyone else has read monotone, I don't think anybody would listen to this. (laughs) No. And that's and that's the beauty of this is that, you know, we're going to be able to stop. We're going to be able to talk. And we're going to be able to really break up this manifesto and really get people thinking about industrial society and its future. Yeah. And that is what this is called, industrial society and its future. And I find it very, very interesting. It's a great piece from the Unabomber. All right, let's get to it. it. All right. So the first part is called introduction. And here we go. Industrial society. And its future, theater, theater, Kazan theater. What it's like? Are we sitting in a theater? (laughs) Can we just call you Fonzie? (laughs) Yes. Ted Kaczynski, and this was wrote in 1995. Guys, introduction. The industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. They have greatly increased the life expense expectancy of those of us who live in advanced countries but they have destabilized society have made life unfulfilling have subjected human beings to indignities have led to widespread psychological suffering and the third world to physical suffering as well and have inflicted severe damage on the natural world The continued development of technology will worsen the situation. It will certainly subject human being to greater indignities and inflict greater damage on the natural world. It will probably lead to greater social disruption and psychological suffering. And it may lead to increased physical suffering even in advanced countries. 
So let's just blow people up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, think about this. Let's just think about this. This was made in 1995. So none of this has happened yet in this manifesto. How is the world socially as we see it now? Okay, well, I I think that people are more connected, but disconnected at the same time. Yeah. When you go into a restaurant, how many of those families have their phone right in front of their face, not speaking to each other face to face? Well, you know, I don't see that a whole lot around here, but I did when I was in the city. Yeah. I do see a lot of people socializing with each other when you go to a restaurant, but there are a few. And I think probably in the last, before the pandemic, people were definitely on their phones a lot, but I feel like that's improved and it might just be me, but I do observe people around me a lot. Yeah. And I don't see that as much anymore. And I think people with the pandemic, you know, there's some positive things that have happened and I think people realize the importance of connection yeah and I think that's starting to change a little bit in that aspect right but you are absolutely right I mean there's still like a lot that people do on their phone like uh relationships I mean with video games and you know technology I feel like people are so disconnected still when they should be connected as a family yes and I think that's what he was getting at here. Like, he, he feels like um, technology was going to get in the way of people actually interacting with one another. And that's kind of, and the natural world is suffering as well because everything's done online and it's not really, the world isn't being tended to as much. Yeah, but environmentally, people are not using gas as much to get to work. True. And I feel like that has helped our environment a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to use the pandemic as an excuse again, but I remember reading an article that the Italy Lake Canal has never been clear because people weren't using their vehicles as much. They weren't boating, you know, and a lot of that water has cleared up because of it. Yeah. I think there are some positives, but I also believe there are some negatives to it for sure. And that's where I say things happen for a reason, like I feel bad for the people who have passed because of the pandemic. But I also see why it had to happen. Because we took technology as we we took that way too far. And as a human race, we found that as a luxury and very easy to use versus going out meeting friend at the you know coffee shop socializing hanging out with friends we just did it all online um so the pandemic needed to happen because people needed to see, see that you do need physical human connection it can't just be online you have to be face to face with people because when you don't have it how devastating is that that you can't actually go out and be face to face with people. I guess you got to look at it like when you are on your bed, your bath bed, <laughs> your deathbed. <laughs> I mean, and you look back at your life 
Are you going to want to remember your phone? Or are you going to rem- want to remember the relationships you had with people and the memories? And is it going to be fulfilling to you to remember your Facebook friends? Or is it going to be more fulfilling to you to remember the actual connections you had face-to-face with people? Absolutely. So we'll go on to the next part here. It says the industrial technology system may survive or it may break down. If it survives, it may eventually achieve a low level of physical and psychological suffering. But only after passing through a long and very painful period of adjustment and only at the cost of permanent reducing human beings and many other living organisms to engineered products and more and mere cogs in the social machine. Furthermore, if the system survives, the consequences will be inevitable. There is no way of reforming or modifying the system so as to prevent it from depriving people of dignity and autonomy. Well, he just said pretty much everything about the pandemic. Yes, he did. Reducing people and stuff, but that's still like blowing up people. It's not it's not the way, man. No. And organizing a pandemic, which I mean you and me agree on that one. We think that it was made in a lab and Yeah, I do too. Yes. It was not somebody eating a bat and then coughing on somebody. It, I don't believe that's how it happened. I believed I believe that someone else had the same idea as the Unabomber in this industrial society thing that he's doing and talking about. I think somebody else within that type of mind frame that had the ability to make make that actually brought war on the world. And I, I truly, truly believe this. And with that being said right there in the manifesto in 1995, that proves that the pandemic was made by man it doesn't really prove it but it is a theory it is a theory and it's a very strong theory yeah if the system breaks down the consequences will be still very painful but the bigger the system grows the more disastrous the results of its breakdown will be so if it is to break down it had best break down sooner rather than later we therefore advocate a revolution against the industrial system. This revolution may or may not make use of violence. It may be sudden or it may be a relatively gradual process spanning a few decades. We can't predict any of that, but we do outline in a very general way the measures that those who hate the industrial system should take in order to prepare the way for a revolution against that form of society. This is not to be a political revolution. Its object will be to overthrow not governments, but the economic and technological basis of the present society. So he's saying that it's not a political war. It is a technological war. If we learned anything from the pandemic... <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of coincidences with this, though. I feel like if his intention wasn't for it to be political, it would have been political at one point. Yes. 
And if he would have went the political route versus <laughs> bombing every Joe and his mom. Right. He might have made a real change. He might have gotten his point across a little bit better. Or, hey, dude, why don't you just become Amish? Or live by example. Live by example, which he was kind of living by example. He didn't have any technology. He lived in a cabin in the middle of nowhere in Montana. But the thing is, is instead of going out and trying to make a change with people that was more healthy than bombing people, his his outcome definitely would have been a lot better than than and, and the other people his outcome their outcome would have been better instead of death oh absolutely i mean he still affected many many lives he did and very and many families and and nothing changed no nothing did change and if he would have used his brains that i know he has and and went a different route with this he might have actually made a real positive change and it's really sad that he had to go this route and, and get so depressed and get to this point where he was not utilizing his true potential. So it's it's kind of crazy. In this article, we give attention to only some of the negative developments that have grown out of the industrial technological system. Other such developments we mention only briefly or ignore altogether. This does not mean that we regard these other developments as unimportant. For practical reasons, we have to confine our discussion to areas that have received insufficient public attention or in which we have something new to say. For example, since there are well-developed environmental and wilderness movements, we have written very little about environmental degradation or the destruction of wild nature, even though we consider these to be highly important. So I'm guessing he's kind of a hippie. Because I know, right? He, but then he still killed rabbits and <laughs> ate them. Uh, well, at least he ate them. He didn't just, he probably utilized their fur and stuff because he was a, you know, he kind of lived out in the middle of nowhere. Right. I mean, I don't know. He he just sounds like a... I mean, he's intelligent, but he's definitely a rambling, crazy person, too. Yes. Yes. You can tell that there's so much going on in his brain yeah. at this point. Uh, he's a little scattered, but he does have this stuff numbered. And I'm not saying the numbers. I'm just reading yeah. Um, but he's, he, I think he knows that his mind is going everywhere. So he'll just, he's just numbering his certain thoughts at the time. Wow. <clears throat> so I'll start with the numbers, but we're at six. We're and at we've six. got, we're, yes. And we're past the introduction now and we're at the psychology of modern leftism. That's the next part of it. Six. Almost everyone will agree that we live in a deeply troubled society. No one shit, of the most man. yeah. <laughs> one of the most widespread manifest manifestations of the craziness of our world is leftism. 
So a discussion of the psychology of leftism can serve as an introduction to the discussion of the problems of modern society in general. Seven, what is leftism? During the first half of the 20th century, leftism could have been practically identified with socialism. Today, the movement is fragmented, and it is not clear who can properly be called a leftist. When we speak of leftists in this article, we have in mind mainly socialists, collectivists, collectivist, there we go, politically correct types, feminists, gay and disability activists, animal rights activists, and the like. But not everyone who is associated with one of these movements is a leftist. What are we trying to get at in discussing leftism is not so much movement or an ideology as a psychological type or rather a collection of related types. Thus, what we mean by leftism will emerge more clearly in the course of our discussion of leftist psychology. And then it says also, see paragraphs 227, 230. Jeez, he's got a whole key, huh? I guess so. <laughs> what a nut, man. Aren't leftists... I, I, do you know anything about leftists or anything? Is he trying to make this political after he said don't make this political? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he's definitely making it political. I'm, I, I'm tracking. <laughs> I'm tracking now. His squirrels are not all in a row. Nope. His ducks are not in a row. row. Nope. And he definitely has squirrels everywhere. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> he does. Let's gather them up. <laughs> That's why he's numbering everything, I think. Eight. Even so, our conception of leftism will remain a good deal less clear than we would wish. But there doesn't seem to be any remedy for this. All we are trying to do here is indicate in a rough and approximate way the two psychological tendencies that we believe are the main driving force of modern leftism. We by no means claim to be telling the whole truth about leftist psychology. Also, our discussion is meant to apply to modern leftism only. We leave open the, the question of the extent to which our discussion could be applied to the leftists of the 19th and early 20th centuries. So he's talking about the past and everything. This is it's kind of built up to a leftism society and a socialism. He thinks that we're socialists and leftists and. Yeah, because people are all the same. We know that, right? Yeah, that's what he thinks. That's where he's at in his head. And that's obviously why he was bombing. It's so sad that somebody so intelligent can be so close-minded. and Yeah, it is really sad. I mean, he's clearly a very, very intelligent human being. I mean, look at all them big words. Um <laughs> <laughs> Why? Again, why Why bomb people? That doesn't make sense to me. He could have used his big brain for something so much more, and he could have had a more open mind about things as well. Nine, 
the two psychological tendencies that underlie modern leftism we call feelings of inferiority and over-socialization. Feelings of inferiority are characteristic of modern leftism as a whole, while over-socialization is characteristic only of a certain segment of modern leftism, but the segment is highly influential. Feelings of inferiority. 10. By feelings of inferiority, we mean not only inferiority feelings in the strict sense, but a whole spectrum of related traits, low self-esteem, feelings of powerlessness, depressive tendencies, defeatism, guilt, self-hatred, etc. We argue that modern leftists tend to have some such feelings, possibly more or less repressed and that these feelings are decisive in determining the direction of modern leftism. It sounds like he needed therapy. Apparently, he's feeling <laughs> a little inferior, I guess. Well, yeah, if you're a loner for that long of time. Yeah, why put to... yourself in that situation? <laughs> yeah, he put himself there. And he just decided. He just decided that people were shit, the environment is going to shit, the world's going to hell in a handbag, and that's that. And so, fuck everybody else that doesn't think like me. Yeah. Yeah. It, he got to that point, and there was no reason to get to that point. If he would have just went out and talked to people, like we've said in the past, don't be alone. That is the worst thing you can do because your head is going to go there. It's going to go to a very dark place. You're going to start feeling very depressed. You're going to start self-hating. You're going to start, um, and in a way, I feel like he's a bit of a, I hate to say it, but a hypocrite in this in this sense because he's not doing anything better. He wants to make a change clearly, but he's making a very negative change. He should have known better. He wasn't a genius in the fact of how to go about it. He had no common sense. Zero common sense, but a genius in other things. Zero common sense. That's all I got to say. Well, you see that a lot, though. People that are super intelligent. I mean, I'm not telling, I'm not speaking for all intelligent people, book smart people. I mean, there are some people out there that, you know, have both, but I have noticed a pattern of people that seem to be super, super smart, but have no common sense. That could be completely different for some other people. I don't know. This is uh, getting deep. Deep, deep. <laughs> when, 11. When someone interprets as derogatory almost anything that is said about him, or, the, or about groups with whom he identifies, we conclude that he has inferiority feelings or low self-esteem. This tendency is pronounced among minority rights activists, whether or not they belong to the minority groups whose rights they defend. They are hypersensitive about the words used to designate minorities and about anything that is said concerning minorities. The terms Negro, Oriental, Handicapped, or Chick 
for African or an Asian, a disabled person or a woman originally had no derogatory condemnation. Broad and chick were merely the feminine equivalents of guy, dude, or fellow. The negative condemnations that have been attached to these terms by the activists themselves, some animal rights activists have gone so far as to reject the word pet and insist on its replacement by animal companion. Leftist anthropologists uh, go to great lengths to avoid saying anything about primitive peoples that could conceivably be interpreted as negative. They want to replace the word primitive by non-literate. They seem almost paranoid about anything that might suggest that any primitive culture is inferior to our own. We do not mean to imply that primitive cultures are inferior to ours. We merely point out the hypersensitivity of leftist anthropologists. Holy crap, sis. Weren't we just talking about this yesterday? Yeah, we were. That's weird. Did you did you read that part? I didn't read that part. No, but I just read it. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. We were just talking about this. Now we can have the discussion about it. Yeah. That we were talking about. He is absolutely right right here. This is basically the Karen syndrome we've been talking about. (laughs) No, I just feel like people are so damn sensitive now. Like words. They are. Don't hurt people. If they do, it is a matter of your reaction to those words. Yes. And that's and it has gotten really sensitive. It's gotten so bad that some schools with certain names have had to change them. But you know what? Where I went to school, we are called the Redskins. And guess what? They refuse to change their freaking name because of some Karens out there that are pissed about it. And I'm very glad because we need to keep tradition. I understand not everybody that says something means what a derogatory term towards it. We were just talking yesterday. We were at Sock Trail. And that's a known place for Native Americans and, you know, burial grounds and stuff. And I was like, hey, isn't is there any Indians here? And Sis was like, oh, you got to be careful about that. And I'm like, what? What? Well, it was weird because we had an EVP that went, oh, and I go, hey, Sis, they didn't like that. You better call them Native Americans. (laughs) I'm like, well, what the hell's wrong with Indians, man? I mean, I grew up with that. Well, the thing is, you and I grew up in a different generation where we were raised to talk a different way. Like, we didn't realize how hurtful and how butthurt people were going to get later in life if we didn't change our whole what we grew up with. It's habits. We have been, I mean, in school, we learned about Indians instead of Native Americans, you know? Yeah. Um, we didn't have all these different sexes out there now, you know, in fact, I actually went to a doctor's office and they had all these different options of what sex I was. And I accidentally put female trans or transforming into a male or whatever. And I was like, oh, shoot, (laughs) I didn't realize there were so many options. So I totally failed 
that, you know, little, little test they gave me. So I had explained myself when I went up there, I go, I'm just a female. I had to scratch that out because I didn't realize, you know, I haven't been to the doctor in a while. I didn't realize there were so many options now. I just thought it was male, female, you know, whatever. And it's just the way we grew up, you know, we didn't grow up sensitive, hypersensitive yeah. to these words. And maybe, you know, we're just white people, you know, that's because we grew up in a white environment or whatever. We don't mean it to be offensive to anybody. Yeah. We don't want to offend anybody. No, we don't. It's just the way we grew up and the way we learned how to speak. It's in our generation of where we're at. I'm pretty sure anybody that I knew I went to school with or whatever, I'm pretty sure they're not like, well, when they're talking about something, they're talking like, you know, cowboys and Indians and stuff. They're not going to go cowboys and Native Americans. I mean, we played the game when we were kids. Cowboys and Indians, man. Yeah. You know, I lived on a farm and we played cowboys and Indians all the time. Me and my cousins and stuff like it just doesn't make sense. I guess I'm just I'm just not catching up to today's world and I don't mean to be derogatory towards anyone. No. I I have a very whole, whole heart to everybody and I try to be sensitive. I really do. But I'm not that sensitive. Yeah. And I don't mean to not be that sensitive. I just I'm I guess I'm ignorant to it all, you know? It's just something we got to learn. Yeah. I guess so. I wholeheartedly want to learn it because I don't want to offend anybody. I love people. I think all sorts of people, black, white, Asian, whatever. I love all people the same. I have met so many different people same. of many different races, many different backgrounds, and I have yeah. love for all of them. I don't believe that white people are above anybody else. You know, people are people. It doesn't matter. You know, we all have souls. We all bleed the same. Yeah. I don't care if you are transgender. I don't care if you are bi. I don't care if you're nope. straight. I mean, I love you all the same, you know, but if I have to be politically correct in everything yeah. and you're going to be mad at me for saying the wrong thing then you're not my people, you know? I'll tell you I'm working on it, but that's all I can do. I, I'm working on it too because I, I quickly at that EVP session go, I mean Native Americans. I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but when it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oh crap, that was, for you know, it was habit. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm being mean, you know? So... Yes, but he does have a point. People are a lot more sensitive to stuff now, and it is a problem because not everybody is trying to be offensive. It's just what we grew up in. So try to be a little bit more sensitive to those people. People like me who are a little bit more ignorant and grew up with cowboys and Indians. That's all I'm saying, man. Yes, and work with us a little bit because we're trying Otherwise, I'm going to be offended. <laughs> or correct us politely. Yes. You know? Yes. Because it's it's offensive to our generation that we grew up and we, we created all these different habits. And, you know, it's just 
we not need to rewire our brain now to adjust and it's going to take an adjustment period. Yeah. And uh, so, but right. we do, we do find it a little ridiculous just because of the way we grew up. And we find it a little ridiculous how sensitive people are because we didn't grow up hypersensitive. No, we didn't. We did not. And I'm a farm girl and I'm just not sensitive really anyways. I'm sensitive to some stuff, but like, I don't know. I'm just not a real sensitive Nancy. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm more of a... (laughs) Oh, crap. Was that offensive, too? You know what? I'm just offensive, and I don't mean to be. Let's just put it that way. I'm sorry, guys. I love all of you. Every one of you. I don't care if you're black, white, green. (laughs) I don't care. I love you all. (laughs) Purple. Purple. Uh, Peoples is peoples, and pizzas are pizzas, so I love them all. I don't mean to be offensive. I apologize if I am, but you know now. That if I say it, you can laugh at me because I'm ignorant. <laughs> yes. And me too. So I think I'm going to cut that off here today because there's a lot on this feel- feelings of inferiority. <laughs> <laughs> we did leave off at, I'm going to be starting on 12, I think, next time. So thank you guys so much for listening in on part one of the manifesto. We appreciate you and stick around. So don't forget stars cannot shine without darkness. And seeds cannot grow without darkness, but they also need the light. Yes. Bye guys. Bye. Listen to him. Listen to those weirdos from Michigan